welcome to Circle Sanctuary Network Podcasts, brought to you by Circle Sanctuary, one of the oldest nature spirituality churches in the United States, connecting people of nature center paths around the world. Join us through the week for a variety of shows discussing various topics, celebrating the divine in all of its forms through nature worship, rituals, education, and building bridges of community. Good evening, good morning, good night, good second breakfast, whenever you are, wherever you are. My name is Laura Gonzalez. And I'd like to welcome you to Lunatic Mondays and Lunes Lunaticos, the very first bilingual show for CSMP, the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast. And uh, man, we, we've been everywhere. We were on a different podcast before, and now we're here. And she has always been with us. She's always been a wonderful collaborator, contributor to our pagan culture. And I'm very proud and very honored to say that she's also my friend. But let me tell you who she be. <laughs> Phyllis Karat is one of America's first public witches, founder of the Temple of Ara, her uniquely shamanic tradition. For more than 40 years, she has been teaching and helping to make witchcraft the fastest growing spirituality in America. As an attorney, her groundbreaking cases secured the rights of witches, and she is the most widely published best-selling Wiccan author in the world, creator of the Witches Wisdom Tarot and her newest book, Spells for a Living Well, I'm sorry, Spells for a Living Well, A Witch's Guide to Manifesting Change, Well-Being, and Wonder is now in pre-sales. She is the recipient of numerous honors, including induction into the Martin Luther King Jr. Collegium of Clergy. New York Magazine has called her teachings on witchcraft the culture's next big idea, and Time Magazine declared her one of America's leading thinkers. Her YouTube series on Wicca has almost 3 million views, and she offers a monthly public circle through her Patreon platform. Phyllis is a trustee and the program chair for of the Parliament of the World's Religions, and she teaches internationally on nature's sacred magic and why the world needs its witches. And like I said before, I'm also very proud and honored that she is my friend. Welcome, Phyllis, for the end time to Lunatic Mondays. How are you? Estoy muy bien. Muchas gracias. I'm I'm good. I mean, considering that the world is in flames and 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 Nazis are running amok, <laughs> you know, all over the world, um, and there is an increasing uh, possibility of the loss of our democracy and the reactivation of the old antagonism against witches. Um, because some of these right-wing evangelical forces are articulating very clearly, um, uh, you know, their plans to go after this, that I put, you know, quotes, the occult, uh, considering all of that um, and the amount of work I have to do, I'm actually doing great. I'm really doing great because I'm working the magic and the magic works if you work it. And um, yeah. So that, you know, we all need ways of staying uh, grounded and connected to what's divinely magical and deeply sacred. That's the natural world around us. 
to to be able to um, liberate ourselves, free ourselves from this mad tower of mirrors that we've been trapped in. And, you know, so some my work is always about shattering those mirrors so that people can escape and, and reconnect to um, to what's sacred in themselves and in the world around them. And I, it keeps you sane, keeps me calm, definitely keeps me connected, keeps me inspired, balanced, optimistic that despite all of the um, tragedies, those are man-made. And that means that every single one of them can be, we broke it, we can fix it. We just need the right tools. Yeah. And I think witches have those tools. I think that's one reason where we are the fastest growing spirituality in America right now. Yeah. And I, this is almost like a morbid curiosity on my part, but I have to ask you because you are an attorney and I'm not asking you to teach us, to teach us uh, the law because we will need several shows, but as a Wiccan, as a witch, as an attorney and as a woman, this Roe versus Wade thing and mm-hmm. and all the other ones that look like they want to follow. Mm-hmm. And you know, as a as a feminist witch myself, as a priestess of the goddess, mm-hmm. I mean I can only tell you how I was screaming. So uh I want to kind of know how you were screaming and what went through your mind other than anger at the moment, but uh how do we go about it? What is the smart thing to do? You have to vote. We have to vote. We have to, I mean, you know, we are the fastest growing spiritual in the United States. There are probably millions of us now. We don't have an accurate count. Um, but it's a, it's actually probably larger than the Muslim community, the Buddhist community, the Jewish community. Um, and yet we're invisible, right? Um, and we are like everybody in America. So they're going to be right-wing witches and they're probably going to be some fascist pagans you know um okay but um i mean i don't think that that's who we innately are because our roots are indigenous um and that makes us attentive to a different dynamic a different sensitivity sensibility way of living and we have to vote um, we have to vote in the elections in 2020. We have to vote as if our lives depend upon it because our lives depend upon it. The lives of women and girls now depend upon how we vote. There are women now um, whose lives are at risk um, uh, because they're going to miscarry and doctors are going to be afraid to treat them. There are women who are going to have atopic pregnancies whose lives are going to be at risk and there are going to be doctors who are unable to treat them. Um, women with means may may be able to leave their states, may, may not be. Um, I mean, there are states now, Texas, other states setting up laws so that if you leave your state to get the medical care that you need to save your life, they can, they're going to try you for murder and the doctors too. So it's dire and we have to vote. Our democracy is at risk and Roe v. Wade is um, not the first shot across the bow of what is coming. Um, there was also a decision, there've been quite a number of decisions that have whittled away about at separation between church and state. And when that happens, you know, um, it's the, ma- the so-called majority, you know, the, the, the 
the faiths that have the power that then use it to, in, to enforce their visions of a society rather than allowing us each to have our own views. And Ro, the, the over, Dobbs overturning Roe v. Wade uh, essentially now puts in place a mechanism by which states can enact laws that reflect the views of, of one religion, their moral views, and their beliefs about the origins of life, about which science is, has no agreement in point of fact, um, and about which other faiths have very different views. Mm-hmm. And now through uh, the power of a state legisl- legislature, those patriarchal religions will now be able to impose their beliefs on others. So it's a profound curtailment of our religious freedoms. And there are faith traditions, usually indigenous faith traditions, certainly Wicca, witches, um, various pagan traditions, the, the, the traditions that are the rebirth of the various ethnic, uh, I hate the word ethnic, but you know, the, the, the ancestral Euro-indigenous traditions have a very different view um, that, that, and, and goddess spirituality, which is such an emergent and potent force right now, that a, a woman's bodily autonomy is a fundamental human right. And more that a woman's um, body is sacred, it's holy, and she has sovereignty over her own body. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has the right to determine whether or not to bear life and to give her body to the bearing of life. That is her decision. Um, and now the decision is that the life of uh, that, a, that an embryo and a fetus has more rights than um, the woman that is now being um, required to give her body um, to creating life. There are religions that see things very different. The Jewish faith, life doesn't exist until the child is born. In various Muslim traditions, the, the child is not a human being until four months after it's born. There are very diverse ideas about, quote, when life begins, right? Yeah. And now we no longer have the right. Um, this is the, the statement that um, I drafted for the Women's Task Force, where I'm chair of the Parliament of the World's Religions, emphasizes that. And it, it's now circulating. We'll say there are a number of attorneys who are thinking about bringing suit on the grounds of religious freedom. Um, But we have a Supreme Court that um, has been 40 years in the shaping. The right has been very well funded, very well organized, um, and they have worked from the the grassroots up at school boards and state state elections, and now they're working to overtake the uh, electoral processes, um, and we're at great risk of losing not only a woman's uh, right to control her own body and have proper medical care, but we're lo- we are at risk of losing our uh, our democracy. That the decision. I mean, we don't want to spend a huge amount of time on it, but the decision, basically, the the rationale of of, of Dobbs in overturning Roe v. Wade now opens the floodgate to wipe away interracial marriage, uh, same-sex marriage, um, uh, contraception, the right to contraception. And th- these, there are these very patriarchal uh, right-wing, mostly evangelical, to some extent 
some conservative Catholics um, that are ready to sweep away all of it. And in, in fact, um, Clarence Thomas said they should. And it's just a matter of time until they do. Um, and there are now some 350 new, extremely conservative, many very unqualified judges that were put in place by McConnell you know, and Trump. We're, we're, it's the last bastion you know, in our democracy and it's gone. So um, there are a lot of other decisions that they've implemented that are very um, devastating to our fundamental right of privacy, our, our rights as a democracy. And the only way to stop it is by voting. I've been talking about this for over 20 years. 20 years ago, I was giving talks in the pagan community about the plan, about how this was being set in motion. And they always tell you, um, I mean, you know, Newt Gingrich articulated it back in the 80s when he said, you know, we're working to create a one party system, the one party rule. Well, that's called fascism. And McConnell said it just the other day, you know, we're going to take control of the House and the Senate, and then we're gonna take back the presidency and we're gonna have a hundred years of Republican rule. That's fascism. Ladies and gentlemen, that's fascism. Yep. You know, We have inadequate political discussions in this country. People are sound asleep. They're not paying attention, which is why we ended up here. And our lives as witches and pagans and uh, practitioners of goddess spirituality, our lives are at risk. Yes, they're going to come. But, you know, that's that old quote from the Second World War. First, they came for the Jews and they came for the gypsies and they came for the communists and they came for you know, the labor organizers, you know, and then they came for me and there was nobody left to save me. Well, guess what? You know, that's us. So people have to vote. They have to get out and vote. They have to volunteer to be poll watchers because that's one of the strategies that's being implemented now is to send people to intimidate people. Um, you need to sign up. Uh, you need to uh, you need to get active. I know people would love to have a Green Party, a third party, a blah, blah, blah. Yeah. When you're fighting fascism, you have to use the instruments that you have. And that means that we have to be active in the Democratic Party. Um, and it's boring and it's time consuming and it's tedious and it's slow. But they've been doing it for 40 years and they're 40 years ahead of us. And it's going to take much more than 40 years to undo the damage that they're doing. Yeah. Um, I've been an activist all my life and uh, fought really hard for the rights of witches and it could all be gone tomorrow. Um, and it, the only way to stop it is to vote, to get, to persuade, not to, to, to stop talking when you come up against somebody who's living in the information bubble of the extreme right, um, to find a way of penetrating that, not by fighting, by listening, you know, and by beginning to propose um, that, I think, uh, you know, that the way that we have to work together as Americans is to work together as Americans and that we have to stop viewing each other as enemies and that, you know, you, Mr. Right Wing person, need to stop seeing me because I'm a Democrat as your enemy because I'm not. And America was has a political system designed to compromise. And that means the Republicans have to be willing to compromise with the Democrats who have to be willing to compromise with the Republicans. And if we do that, we get our democracy back and, and we become the greatest country in the world once again. It doesn't work under one party rule. Um, that's fascism and that's not American democracy. When I talk like that to people on the right, they listen. It doesn't mean they're gonna listen and vote for a Democrat, but maybe they'll be more reluctant to vote for somebody who's overtly um, you know, 
buying the lie and propagating the lie and propagating fascism. We're in real trouble. We're in real trouble. Um, and uh, I worry. I'm worried. Um, I'm very, very worried. But, you know, it's also what is to be expected at this critical moment of profound change when the, all the structures are under stress because of um, because the system itself doesn't work well. It's a bad system. And as soon as you have oligarchies and vast disparities of wealth and power, in, in the natural world, when you don't have hoarding, but when circumstances are such that you end up with conditions that are like hoarding, that it, the system, whatever it is, whether it's a dam or, you know, that it's too hot, then you have forest fires, it breaks. In the natural order, energies flow, they're constantly moving. That's the great magic of nature is that the energies are constantly moving, they're fluxing, they're changing, there's this exchange, there's a mutuality, a reciprocity of this exchange of life force. And it's constantly um, working to make the world a better place for all life. We're the ones who are doing it in the exact opposite way. And so naturally everything is breaking. Yeah. Uh, and the way for us to survive it, I and mean, as the Hopi say, you know, this is now we've created this fifth age of catastrophe in the Hindu, it's um, the Kali Durga. Um, we've been looking in my Patreon circle, this next circle is kind, kind of timed, uh, you know, synchronistically, not intentionally, but synchronistically to this moment in the old um, Italian indigenous tradition of the ascent of the Madonna later, but the birth of Diana of Aradia. And it's, um, it's this moment of looking with great courage into the face of, of what we have done, because you can't fix it if you can't acknowledge it, right? Exactly. You, can't, you can't make your magic of healing and transformation if, if, you're, if you don't know what you're engaged with, right? So it takes a lot of courage to look at it. This is the death rattle of patriarchy mm -hmm. and it's doing a lot of damage. Um, and there are some people who say it's just going to have to all break in order to do it again. I don't believe that to be true. I believe that we're capable at any moment of making the magic that will heal what's been broken mm -hmm. and of saving ourselves and saving the planet. That's that's when we, you know, I know we wanted to talk about book. That's one reason it's the most unlikely uh, title and um, sort of form in which to put that message forward but that's why I, when the publisher asked me if I would do a spell book I normally I would have said no because people tend to approach spell casting in a very mechanical way in a very patriarchal way um, and most of the little books that have come out that are super popular um, by people who really have not been practicing for very long and some who have been and should know better I'll talk about you know that magic is you know the setting of intention um, and the use of your will to manifest, you know, your desire. Like that's just that's that's just the old patriarchal biblical wine in a new bottle of of um, having power over. Sometimes they'll say, you know, over supernatural forces, right, um, or and nature, 
to get what you want and right? to manifest your desires. That's the most common definition. And it's like, that's the old model that God put us here on earth to run the show, to have dominion, you know, over creation. And it's like, that's what got us in this mess. You know, it's like, no, it's not all about you. It is about you, that you should be happy and healthy. The whole system is set up so that everything can be healthy and happy. But when you're taking care of yourself, because we have a conscious mind and because we have, do have these extraordinary powers to affect change um, through how we, uh, you know, put our energies into the world, um, we have to be cognizant that what we're doing is making the world a better place. Mm -hmm. So we have, you know, we have great power and with that comes great responsibility. And spells for me is actually their, their spiritual practices to bring you back, to get the blindfold off and bring you back into harmony with the divinity that's embodied by the natural world. Mm -hmm. It's really our spiritual teacher. And it's not, a, it's not only about power, it's not about power over Right. There's power with exactly and, exactly. and it's with nature and with every single human being and it taps into a little bit of what we were talking about uh right before we came in on on the live which is you know performative allyship and speaking about equality with no fairness of resources there is no such thing as equality because when you talk about equality okay, I'm going to be a good Samaritan and give computers to everybody in the world. Well, you have to give them food first and then you have to give them electricity and then maybe you can give them uh, internet access and now a computer will be useful. You know, you cannot, oh yeah, let's patch it through. One size fits all. When mm -hmm. one size does not fit all. There cannot be rights for um the disenfranchised side of the community right. if we are trying to be equal and give the same rights to everybody there are people whose rights have been taken for a longer time black people indigenous people women and girls uh, transgender mm -hmm. folks etc i mean it has to be with yeah. not over yeah excellent excellent reflections so let us talk about <laughs> the book yeah there's still time <laughs> we always go into these wonderful tangents but because it's wonderful to speak with you and to and to pick your brain and to hear about those those reflections but uh we have a new book dun, dun, dun. we have a new book called spurs for living well a witch's guide to manifest change well-being and wonder there mm -hmm. i love I love the part of wonder. Um, the part in the book is the last section um, goes from working with, with nature, with nature and spells working with nature. And they get increasingly more oriented towards experiencing, experiencing spells that bring you into a state of true wonder that you're alive, that you're here, that you're being given everything you need to live and to live well. Um, and that when your heart opens and your consciousness opens to the magic of creation, you're filled with awe and humility and with wonder. And that's a wonderful way to live. Um, 
Yeah, I included the things that people are always concerned about, very practical things. Um, prosperity, you know, how, how to how to approach your life so that you can have a prosperous life, how to find love, how to recover from a betrayal. It's got some very modern and practical spells that um, um, I took a long time. I mean, I wrote the whole book in a very short span of time, but I really put a lot of time into some of the modern dilemmas and things that we struggle with as the, you know, residents of late, uh, new, early 21st century. Um, you know, in the time of the, the demise of patriarchy, social anxiety, stress, depression, inertia, um, feelings of hopelessness in the face of the reality of what, you know, confronts us. Uh, and I ran those by a couple of therapists, actually. Um, so they're really potent spells for doing slow, genuine, incremental healing and recovery work. Um, but my favorite parts of the spells towards the end uh, um, to really bring you into communion with nature and to really open you to the wonder of your life in the midst of this totally holy and sacred planet. Um, they're, they're, they're really beautiful. So the, you know, the book is like, yeah, I always try to do too much in my books, but I think I succeeded. So it, it's a book that's meant for newbies, but it's, but it's my perspective, not the usual, you know, uh, I'm gonna use the, the water to, you know, get what I want. Um, and that's how I cast a spell. It's how to see that the world in which you are enmeshed is an embodiment of spirit. And to be humble in the face of that, grateful for everything that it's offering you, aware, of what it's offering you, able to enter into partnership with it um, and make magic with it. It has a very different idea of magic. And so throughout the book, although, you know, here's everything you need if you've never done this before, or if you've only started, or if you were using these incredibly basic books with this mechanistic patriarchal idea of magic. And if you've been practicing magic for 20, 30, 40 years, here's the book that understands um, the bliss and the deep spiritual practice mm -hmm. that a spell is meant to be, to open you to the magic of, that you're, that, that is flowing into you and through you into the world, yeah. to make the world a better place, to experience its beauty. And right now, I know I need that. You know, in the face of all this really dark stuff, I need that nourishment and that um, sustenance and that uh, generosity of life force that nature is always offering us. Yeah. Um, it's making the difference, you know, between despair and determination. I have, uh, for many, many years since I started practicing, of course, I come from an indigenous background. You know that. Yeah. Uh, folks who listen to the show know that. Uh, magic is inherent to people of geopolitically what we call now Mexico and I've always wondered you know why people in some forms of Wicca and paganism and let me digress to be very clear 
There's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with wearing your robes and wearing your jewelry. Goddess knows that I like to perform and I love the the jewelry and the eye makeup and all that. That is wonderful. But I was always wondering, you know, why people stay on the form of yeah. things and don't trickle down into the depth of things. And I've never heard it described as patriarchal until I just heard you recently. Yeah. And I, I often wonder, you know, how we just change the icon, mm. but we stay, the, the, the mental frame stays the same into mm -hmm. using and abusing. And um, two wonderful phrases that I heard, they're not mine. One, that the goddesses and the gods are not ATMs. And two, that uh, some people confuse cosplay with spirituality. <laughs> not, not my phrases, but wonderful and powerful. But I never would have imagined that even there, patriarchy has its tendrils, you know? Yeah. The, my, I think I was really blessed that with within a very short period of time of my being initiated, and it was a neo-Gordonarian, it was a feminist coven. So there was a focus on, on the divine feminine, which already, you know, although that's, that was a part of British traditional Wicca. Um, but I, I also started practicing core shamanism, came out of the work of Michael Horner before he set up the foundation. And, and immediately I recognized that that what we were attempting to revive was actually rooted in the shamanism of our ancestors. It was indigenous. And then lo and behold, years later, like, oh, the word witch, it's 5,500 years old from the Proto-Indo-European. So you're talking shamanism, right? No, and there's no question. And the, the more you learn about it, the more it is. But the, the structure of a lot of contemporary witchcraft, and this is, you know, I don't, I mean, I think that what Gardner did, even Alexander, is that you know that that every step was important, and valuable, and useful. Um, but a lot of, because everything was so fractured, he was pulling a lot of stuff from the ceremonial magic traditions, and the ceremonial magic traditions, although they were revolutionary, were still very patriarchal. You know, it was head. They were Victorian, so it was head up. Um, it was very biblical. The whole idea that that you know that you reach that spirit was someplace else that you were you know that you used the imagination because they didn't have a lot of technique they didn't have a lot of practice they were trying right and they managed to sabbats but they were and the ideas about magic that magic is you know the manipulation of supernatural forces or, or nature to you know manifest your desires that's patriarchal yeah that's power over and and that's what I summon, stir, and call ye up, you know, mighty ones. You know, it was basically um, manipulation and control. And there's a lot, you know, you see in the Italian tradition, there's a lot of yelling at the gods. <laughs> you know, you better bring me my boyfriend, or I'm going to, you know, be very. And that can work. Um, that passion. Um, the whole, yeah, and it, the consumerist stuff. I mean, this is, you see this now on Instagram and TikTok and all this stuff, you know, like here's the little ritual and it's just this little mechanical thing with the, with, and I'm going to pour the 
wax and put the herbs in the in the bottle and and that you know that's my magic they're not barely raising energy they're not even raising energy um you know they don't that they, so it's practice it's the lack of practice um and the lack of a good tool toolkit um i mean the shamanic approach opens you to realms of spirit you recognize that they're contiguous with this one you get very humble very fast very very humble very fast and i mean there are people who are shamanic practitioners who are not because that's just our nature right but by and large it's very humbling and the gift is that you you're given the gift of sight and over time you begin to recognize that it's not just about seeing spirit in other realms it's about seeing spirit in this one and how little we understand about how this is working and how much we have to learn and that we're living truly in a sacred planet and we have to learn again how to live in a sacred way we need to re-indigenize ourselves and that's extremely difficult for people who are privileged white um urban suburban uh consumers yeah and it's a great difference between re-indigenize and reconnect and appropriate oh yeah because the, the level of cultural appropriation that happens on circles that are pagan, neo-pagan, Wiccan, etc., and they are just taking things in case in point, and I this is the hill in which I will die. Yeah. Um, and it goes back to Aradia and, and Diana, you know, magic is a tool for rebellion. Yeah. It is a tool for freedom and liberation. And yes, to go back to, to roots of indigenous work and not looking for the instant gratification, but having time and patience and uh, an invention, a creation, uh, part of the folk, collective folk magic of uh, Mexican indigenous people. And I am not a practitioner and I don't, uh, I do not, uh, aligned with the faith of Santa Muerte. Mm. But I see so many practitioners, Anglo practitioners here in the United States talking about Santa Muerte and very confused talking about she is the dark goddess or the or the shadow. And I have resort to just be quiet because it's none of my business. If you want to appropriate on that, Icon, particularly. Good luck to you. Yeah. <laughs> people, people need to understand that the reconnecting and re-indigenizing and connecting with the earth has nothing to do with let me grab something that is already being prepackaged by other cultures. Oh, and by the way, shown those very cultures. That is not the way of the earth. That is a patriarchal way of That's right. That, that's exactly right. And it's the curse of the of the of the consumerist, you know, the 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 failure to the the people are not practicing shamanically. 
when you practice shamanically, it, it, it opens you to the spirits of the place. And that means that, you know, here we are in the Americas, right? So we're on appropriated land. How do you manage that? I asked a, a, a Yoruban priest um, who I had met through the parliament. Um, he's in America, he's from Africa, he's in America. I said, how do you honor your ancestors and your ancestral, I mean, he was blessed to have still his ancestral tradition. It hadn't been as ruptured, still damaged, but not as ruptured as ours. Um, because, you know, what we did to other indigenous peoples, we did first to ourselves. Yep. Um, but how do you manage? Uh, because you're on, uh, you're in a essentially European, transferred European culture on Native American lands, practicing your ancestral African faith. How do you do that? How do you manage that? Uh, which is different, a little different from appropriation, but I, just to make this point and then I'll get and I'll respond to the very wise thing that you said that and he said the way that I you know I was asking a practical question as a practitioner how do you do that and he said well the way I do it um is that I uh on my altar I honor the ancestors and the spirits of the of the place where I am I honor them I acknowledge them they have a place on my altar meaning in his practice, right? So when he practices, there is a space, a place, a time, an honoring and acknowledging of them. We could also call that connecting to the spirits of the place, right? Whether it's the ancestral people, the land itself. And then I work with my ancestors in my tradition, even though I'm in Georgia or where, you know, Chicago, wherever I am, I work with my ancestors um, and my ancestral ancestral tradition. Yeah, of course, that makes sense, right? Um, and it's humble, and and you're rooted, um, and you're weaving the two together in a way, right? So, um, so for those of us who whose ancestral traditions are ruptured, you know, um, I mean, I'm not a literalist. And I think that to the extent that we can retrieve ancient invocations or get some semblance of understandings of a rite that was practiced 3,000 years ago or 1,000 years ago, whether it was in, you know, the, amongst the Celts or in Greece or amongst the Sami people up, you know, northern Scandinavia, um, that that we should do the best we can to find that and to honor it because those are our those are our ancestors without whom we wouldn't be here. Um, but also to be cognizant that what what they knew to be so for them culturally no longer exists in many ways. We are who we are now, right? And we have to struggle with all this patriarchal, consumerist, classist crap. Um, and we have a lot of work to do, you know, to to, to recognize that in ourselves, not demonize it, heal it, let it go. Um, and we have to honor the spirits of the place where we are and the peoples where we are. Um, from the beginning, I have always been really uncomfortable. And I think it was core shamanism that taught me, you don't appropriate other people's cultures. 
you're not them. They're not you. If someone comes to you from another culture, right, in the spiritual work that you're doing and summons you and calls you, um, it's appropriate to answer that call. But then you have to go to the to the indigenous people, you know, from whom the spirit came to, to invite you into a relationship. And you need to train with an indigenous person of that, like, you know, Utu is, has worked with Mambo Miriam for many, 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 many years. He was called and he, and he worked with a Mambo who trained him. Okay, you know, okay. He didn't just decide, you know, he was called. Then he did the responsible thing. He found a teacher and she accepted him and she taught him. One of the things that I've learned by doing, by having a really good toolkit, it's a universal toolkit. You know, all indigenous peoples have used steady percussive rhythm. They have almost all used um, medicine plants. They have all used rites of initiation. You know, they have all worked with the spirits of place. You know, there are these, right? And there are these spirits that because we're all children of Mother Earth, they take specific cultural form and nuance. Mm -hmm. But they also have a universal uh, quality. So like the green man is present as El-Khidr. He's still in the Quran because they couldn't get rid of him. He was the green man of... Uh, parts right of of the fertile crescent what we now call the middle east he was dionysus in the you know as you went a little north he was osiris in egypt he was the kidder in south in the arabian iranian that area he was um he made his way up through say as saint george he's up throughout the celtic countries the nordic countries he's he's this the green man, right? And he's even in, he remains even in the cathedrals um, in throughout Europe. And lo and behold, he actually has a counterpart. Um, and, and the totems, the dragon, the winged serpent, there he was, it blew my mind when I was in Mexico, very, having seen through shamanic journeys in Italy, rituals of initiation for one of my students who was also a, who is uh, in, really indigenous um, from now what we call Mexico. Um, and she has a Mayan teacher. Um, and I, through her, and was in, it was seen in this journey in Italy, her ritual of initiation with her Mayan teacher um, in Teotihuacan. And I was introduced essentially to Quetzalcoatl, which is a name I know I'm butchering in my pronunciation, and please forgive me, but there he was, the winged serpent. And it was the same force. The, the, he dies, he's reborn. The, you know, at the spring equinox, he comes down the pyramid of the sun. There is a pyramid for him. He comes down, right? Uh, and things that I, I couldn't know, I was shown through this method of journeying, there are these currents of magic that are the, the manifestations of spirit uniting the world in which we live. They are all 
over the globe. The Green Man is all the way in Indonesia, in the in Muslim traditions that are actually, you know, bear the imprint of the pre-Muslim. There he is. Um, he's the force, the green people, the plant people, he's the force of vegetation and the mysteries of death and rebirth. Um, and he, whenever he appears, he's always in the company of the mother, Mother Earth, the great mother, always, always. Um, he's her son, he's her companion, he's her lover, her husband, Osiris, uh, Osiris and, and Isis, right? Um, and so each culture has its expression. And yet there is this universal wisdom beneath it. And I think our task is to find what's universal and to, and to find our particular ancestral root and to heal, you know, what's been broken and to come then back into the community of indigenous peoples. And then we come not needing to appropriate but able to bring uh, blessings to the gathering. Mm -hmm. um, to not speak over, but to speak no. with. Yes. Yeah. And it's ironic, but you know, I, I was very careful about seeking the, I mean, when I would do big public rituals, we would always begin by asking um, whatever indigenous peoples were there to begin to give us a blessing, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they always came. They were always like, okay, you know, because we we approached with respect, you know, and explained what we were doing and they recognized us. Um, they recognized, you know, that we were the white brother that should have come and didn't come or the white sister who didn't, you know, but it was arriving a little late, but is here. Uh, <laughs> and I think we begin by honoring the ancestors and the, and the spirits of the land where we are and we do it with humility um and then we honor our ancestors and and um we have to re-indigenize ourselves and in the process we we are blessed to be given um guidance and blessings and that and that helps us heal and that brings us back into community. Mm -hmm. And when you enter community, you do it humbly. Yes. If you're if you're visiting another culture, you bring a gift, right? And you go to somebody else's home, you bring a gift and you observe. You don't assert, you observe. If you're invited, then you step into the dance. Yep. Um, you make you can make an offering, you know. I, you know, if I may, I, you know, may I, may I offer a chant or a prayer, right? But it should be from your people. And if you're called, then, then you go and you learn with the teacher of that tradition. Um, I don't know. I think people, yeah, I see it as a remnant of our patriarchal, privileged, detached, um, you know, people are people are like fish they're swimming in the water and they don't recognize it mm -hmm. job of those of us who recognize it is gently you know but firmly to say there's another way and it's a better way 
I mean, I, you know, I, I hold myself to task. I left for 10, I left the community for 10 years because I was on a quest, but I was doing what I was supposed to do. I was called and I went, um, and now I'm back and I'm teaching what I was taught. And I see this huge community. I wouldn't call them a community. I see all these people, you know, the Instagram, which is, as they're called now the TikTok, which is, and, you know, my hope is that that they will be introduced. That's why I wrote Spells for Living Well. That's why I did the Witch's Wisdom Tour. That's why I'm teaching. That's why I have a Patreon circle. It's like wide open, you know? People are like, that, you're not charging anything really, like virtually nothing. And I was like, yeah, because I want as many people as possible to come and experience what it's like when you, you know, are practicing real magic in a community of people who are uh, truly, um, opening themselves to the magic of creation and seeking to be a conduit for it rather than a manipulator of it. Mm -hmm. Beautiful words. The other thing is, is this, that I think is part of what you were saying too, that the part of the dilemma that because we did to ourselves first, what we did to other people, like we shattered our own traditions. And so it's very, right. It's really, I mean, you know, I call myself a witch and it's still right. Really problematical um despite all this popularity um but the fact of the matter is that um that we're 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 being called back now and we may not have the exact prayers the precise step-by-step -step how the rites were done although there's tons of folk stuff right there's tons and tons of it and there's you know when you strip away the biblical stuff you start to see like what it what it was right it's it's how it was disguised and and able to continue right so you had to right um you know but we have the same teacher and we do have enough of the practices and we have the seasons and we have the moon you know and we have the elements and when we stop trying to control them and we start starting to and we start to listen to them they'll teach us what we need to know and there's no law that says that we cannot create new things oh yeah no yeah, way yeah. doing it anyway time as per usual with you we blink and it's been an hour so i want to remind folks and before you leave i want to remind folks spells for living well a witch's guide to manifesting change well-being and wonder and is now on pre-sale and people can find it wherever they buy their books and please tell us about all the places that people can find you and your book you you talk a little bit about the patreon so tell yeah. us well, uh, right. I mean, the easiest way to reach me is that on my website, which is phyllisquirot.com. And since that's a hard name, I'll actually spell it. It's P-H-Y-L-L-I-S-C-U-R-O-T-T. It's in tedted.com. Phyllis Curot. Um, Phyllis, by the way, from the Greek meaning leafy green. <laughs> um and that's where, you know, you go to my website and everything's there. There's, you know, I'm on Instagram, of course, and I'm being urged to do stuff on TikTok. <laughs> um, but my home is my, is my, and I have a newsletter and an email list and I'm doing a lot of teaching now. I do a monthly circle through Patreon. Um, 
I'm teaching again through my temple. Uh, we have an initiatory track in Italy, and I think we'll be, um, you know, there's been ongoing teaching, so we'll see about initiations here. Um, and I'm, I'm just, I'm teaching, I have a new mode of teaching, very profound practices that are involve each of the elements um, that were given to me by each of the elements when I came out of this long sojourn with Mother Earth. And um, they're really all about getting people out of the mirrored tower and discovering how intimately we are enmeshed and connected to this web of divine life. Um, and it's really, the, it's really about opening to this flow of nature's magic and it's really powerful. And I think it's part of what's needed right now. And it's very shamanic and very simple. So um, that's what I'm, I'm doing a lot of teaching of that method. I love you. It's been wonderful to talk to you as it always is. <laughs> I love you more than anything. And it's wonderful, wonderful to always have you. You've been, we've been together for a long, long time. You've been on the other station, you've been on this station. And I just love that you are always so accessible. And I will always say, for as long as I live, I will tell people the the folks that have the most to offer are usually the easiest to reach. Yeah. And I remember the first time that I did an interview with Phyllis Grubb because she was coming to Chicago mm -hmm. and via Twilight York, which whom we love and adore. Yeah. Um, we have done uh, a recording because you were coming to Pig and Pride Chicago and Twyla, you and Twyla were on the show. And then I go to the talk and I recognize you, of course, because you are you and whoever don't recognize you is because they live under a rock. And I <laughs> forget that I was there trying to help you with the audio and trying to help you with the camera. And you were probably wondering, who is this brown woman and why is she touching my things? No, I was wondering, oh, what goddess had the wisdom to send this wise woman to save my ass? <laughs> and it wasn't until I say, hi, Phyllis, and she recognized the voice and she gave me the warmest, biggest and most precious hug I ever had. Aww. And I will never, ever forget that. So thank you, Phyllis, for, for being on the show. Thank you for being. Thank you for being. Thank you. And, and of course, thank you for being my friend. And to everybody, please, uh, phyllisgrill.com. Uh, she's on Patreon. She's on uh, Instagram. Don't make her do TikTok. Please have some. <laughs> right. A little dignity. <laughs> respect for this woman. Come find her. She don't need to go find you. And... Um, and to everybody, please listen to CSMP, the Circle Center Enable Podcast has over 800 hours of podcasts for wow. all of y'all. And they are free and you can listen, you download, you can share. And uh, of course, Selena Fox, uh, Deborah Rose, um, Charlotte Bear, Christian Ortiz, Carolina Moore, Howard Tuleva, uh, Monica Govina, and Patricia Finclair on Spanish and Portuguese, and yours truly, Laura Gonzalez on Spanish and English. And uh, thank you so much, Phyllis Carrot. Thank you so much to everyone who listened. And until we meet again, never forget that you are love. 
That is true. And thank you for joining us on the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast, presented by Circle Sanctuary and produced for all who follow the Nature Center paths. Join us here throughout the week for various programming connecting the community around the world. And please don't forget to watch for updates on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org. And follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash csnpodcasts. We can also be found on your favorite podcast hosting sites, such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. And until next time, many blessings.